0: Father God, thank you, Lord, because heaven is here, Lord. Thank you, God, because I know you're about to speak wonders, Lord, as you have already been doing, God. You're so good, Lord. You're amazing. And today we will hear you, Lord. And today we will see you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So, this morning, Carlos and I actually stayed up till like two in the morning talking just about God. And this morning when I woke up, I looked over and Jesus was sitting there. And I was just like, the first thing I heard him say was like, I've been waiting for you. I was like, cool. <laughs> um, and then, uh, it's gonna be like a lot of weird stuff today so I don't have my usual notes my usual bullet by bullet intro and like stuff like that. I have different stuff today I'm taking a risk. So um and then on top of that I think God wants me to do something else too which is like bizarre. Um <laughs> and so uh one of the things we're gonna talk about is angels and one of the weird things that happened last night or this morning when I woke up like early in the morning I felt like like there was like angels like in the room and I felt like one of them said like God sent us here to hear you guys speak and I was like wow and so that's what's happening like we can't see it but there's there's angels right now and you know I really like this bible verse that says uh, I I, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good right and I believe that last night's service with the worship team and with Cynthia was amazing and, and we tasted of, of God's good work and God's, um, God's goodness and his redemptive work and, and of Jesus and this, uh, this morning with Danny with the activations uh, that he did and I saw people praying for people that don't normally pray for people and that was amazing and I saw some people stepping into what, what I've been telling them that you know that it's like it's time and uh it's just like taste and see and so we've been tasting and I feel very strongly that this service is like you're gonna see uh if you were here for the retreat last year I ended with like um an exercise where I had everybody kind of sit down and uh, and I read revelations to you guys and I asked you guys to like see it right and um and I, I don't know, that was like pretty amazing. And I heard some testimonies about that. And so I just kind of feel like almost like this is kind of a continuation of that. Um, and I'm actually going to read a lot of Bible today, uh, which is good, because I don't think Danny read any. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just um, And, um, but that was fine. That's fine, Danny. It's, it's okay. Um, that was a joke, guys. And so, so let's go to Luke 16:16. 16, 16. So the other uh, weird thing that I'm going to do, and I don't know how this is going to work out. (laughs) I wasn't going to take long, but this might make it take long. I'm going to read a lot of Bible verses. If you feel like one of the Bible verses like really touches you, I want you to like stand up in that moment. And I might have you read the Bible verse or I might ask you which verse it is. And I feel like God's going to tell you something. Um, But so if you feel like a verse speaks to you, I want you to like just stand, like interrupt me. I don't care. It's fine. Um, like, just stand, and then we'll see how that goes. Um, Holy Spirit is, you know, doing his thing today. So, are you guys there? Luke sixteen sixteen. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. This, this verse, like, I heard it in a preaching, and then I just started reading it and reading it and reading it over and over again. And it's funny how sometimes we read stuff and we, like, blow past, like, some of the words, you know. And in the preaching, like, they drew my attention to this. And I want to draw your attention to it, um, too. So, look at the verse. It says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. That's John the Baptist. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God... Luke uses kingdom of God, but I think Matthew uses kingdom of heaven. It's synonymous. It's the same thing. Gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. It's not some people. Everyone is forcing their way into it. It makes me think like what... what um, Maybe what maturity, to use like a biblical word, like what level of maturity is God calling us into as grace and love um, to walk around as the message of the kingdom, to walk around that everywhere we go, we take this message, that we are this message. And as you walk at school or as you walk at your place of work, some of you have careers, some of you are studying to go into your careers. As you walk, you become this message and you spread the kingdom in that place. And when, when people encounter that, when they encounter that message, their natural response is to want to press in, to force into that, into that, into that kingdom, into that message of God. Amen? So let's go to Hebrews 12. And I'm going to skip around a little bit. So we've been getting very supernatural, right? Amen. So the kingdom of, of God, the of kingdom of heaven, as you're going to see in a little while, um, it has this like center point, And the center point is the throne of grace. That's where Jesus is seated. And so when you become the message of the kingdom, everywhere you go, you're taking the kingdom with you. And it's like what Cynthia was saying, right? It's like Jesus is there too, and heaven is there. And, and it's just amazing that, that this supernatural world, that this kingdom of heaven is alive, like it's thriving, like we can't necessarily see it, but sometimes we can sense it and sometimes it breaks into our world, right, and it shows up differently, and some of us maybe have visions, or we see gold, or we see feathers, or um, some people have seen, like, diamonds and jewels, and some people have gotten, like, gold teeth, um, and and things of that nature, and this kingdom, when that happens, it's, like, breaking into our world, and it, it, like, Cynthia was saying, like, it's so amazing, like, Like it all comes in, it breaks in and, and come with it comes, you know, like the gifts and like the healing and like, and like the praise and like the peace, right? Remember in Romans, it says, um, the kingdom of heaven is not food or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, where is Jesus? He's in the Holy Spirit. Like, if you think about it, like, the Holy Spirit is in some, like, blob thing that's just, like, floating around. He's a person, but this person, like, I don't know how big, like, he must be that, like, literally, he's, like, almost, like, think of, like, a mom. Like, and she's pregnant, like, with a child, right? And she's carrying a baby. And, like, the Holy Spirit is walking around, and he's looking to get people pregnant. I release that word over you, that the Holy Spirit would come upon you guys, and that you guys would have babies, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So let's read verse 1, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run this race with endurance, sorry, and let us run with endurance the race that has Uh, that is set before us. Let me read it again. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 1 really captures my attention, because I want you to see what it says. It says, in, uh, read it if you haven't, read Hebrews 11. Right? It talks about um, Abraham. It talks about all these great men of faith. And then it says that they have passed on. And the last verse of Hebrews 11 says, but they're all waiting to be glorified when we will all be together. And then verse 1 immediately does the follow-up on, verse, on chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses. Like, it doesn't say, like, I want you to get this. like. And I don't even think I, like, all the way get it, to be honest. But it says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us run this race. It doesn't say, since we have such a great Savior, since we have such a loving Father. It says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses. I was like, why does it, why does it say that? And one of the things that, um, that we're going to transition into uh, in grace and love for next year. This year was a year of unwavering. Next year is going to be the year of community, of communication and unity, of of just of a coming together, of a of a of a sense of belonging, of a sense of oneness, of a sense of a body, of a sense of a church that is created not for you know. Um, I don't have notes, so I'm just like going off like. Uh, at the beginning of summer, um, I was doing this like whole tidbit where I was like, and I'm being honest, I'm going to keep it real, like don't think I'm like judging you or anything like that. Um, but as as, a, as an elder, as one of the elders of this church, what was happening to me, um, and maybe I can say some of our other leadership too, is that when we start a service with just two people, it's hard not to be disheartened. It's hard, it's really hard. And I let it get to me and I would be like, where's so and so? And like, why are we starting a service like this? Like, how come we don't have like a little bit more reverence to God? Like, and I, and I started getting like hung up on that and like hung up on that and hung up on that. And then God was like, you need to stop looking at services as if they're full as a successful service. And I was like, okay. He's like, stop making it about quantity. You guys know this already. It's quality. So we're going what we're gonna do, Grace and Love, um, and it was like Cynthia's like awesome vision for like next year is um, I'm not gonna give anything away, but what we're gonna do next year is we're gonna do community, and where our heart is is really to equip you, the saints, to empower you guys, to create a community of excellence, to create a community of people that. Like we can take you and put you anywhere in like advertising, in, um, in music, in, in, in college, um, in a university, um, at a grocery store. And you can be excellence and you could be the message of the kingdom there. And that people will, everyone will force their way into it because it's, it's coming to them, Amen. right? Amen. And so that's what we're going to see. We're going to see what Blue was telling me earlier is that we're going to, um, I lost the word. We're going to enlarge, like, our tent. We're going to, we're going to, Meryl said it too, we're going to make space. Like, we're going, what was the word? We're going to expand, thank you. We're going to expand, like, our territory. Which is funny, because God is telling us, like, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. But Jesus said, seek the kingdom first, and all things will be added. It's like, don't desire money. But when you seek the kingdom, you get money. Which is, it's like... Like, it's just different, you know, and and so when you put your focus on what God is putting his focus on, like, everything else gets added, like, right away, yeah. and one of the things that I sensed at one of our board meetings, and I told the board was that I feel like there's, like, a very large, big expansion coming to, like, Grace and Love in the next couple of years. Like, it includes our building, but it includes, like, more than that. Like, we're really going to, like, put our workshops together and, like, create community and create a, a group of people that, like, that people will be like, man, that person must go to grace and love. You know, because Jesus is at the center of our lives. And so since we have a great cloud of witnesses, you know, I've had experiences with this where one time I remember having a vision of something that my mom dreamt um, like months ago, and I've, I've shared this with you guys, where I saw my mom crossing a river. And in the in the in the vision I could see my mom crossing the river, but behind me I can sense my two grandparents, my dad's parents that I'd never met before in my life. But I knew they were there. My grandma and it's like It's like some of you maybe are second generation Christians, some of you are first generation Christians, but that's okay because if you're the first generation Christian, guess what? Your ancestors and your descendants are going to be majorly blessed and now you get to pioneer something in your family that maybe other people didn't get to pioneer. So don't feel like left out, but like I'm like, you know, my parents are Christian, but my dad's parents, um, I know my grandma she had, um, like, cancer or something wrong with her liver. And she died with the Bible under her arms. And in, on her tombstone, it says, it's the verse that says, you know, don't fear those that can kill the body. And I was just like, man, that woman was, like, it must have been, like, really strong and intense. And my grandpa, after she passed away, um, you know, I, can imma- um, I don't want to imagine, like, what it must have been like to lose your wife, you know, for him to lose his wife. And he... Instead of like blaming God, instead of becoming like an atheist or like not wanting anything to do with God, my dad tells me that he would constantly just go to church. And I was just like, wow, like that's like, those are like the foundations that I have. But even more so as a community, like we're building a foundation on Christ. And you guys are going to have a heritage here. Amen. Amen. All right, let's scroll down um, to verse 18. give me an amen when you're there. Okay, so I'm going to read one part, and then I'm going to share a little bit about um, something that's been on my heart that I think is going to help us with community. So verse 18, for you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness, and gloom, and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet, and the sound of words, which sound was was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command, if even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. So we know that this represents uh, Israel, um, and when they were by uh, Mount Sinai, and it represents the law. And it represents the law, and it represents... Um, Like the mosaic um, time, if that's correct. And one of the things that the Bible says is that this is a shadow of things that were to come in Christ. So as we go into community, you're going to come across a lot of like different people. You know, a lot of people with different backgrounds and stuff like that. And one of the things that God has been kind of like, kind of happening in my life is... um, uh, it's like, uh, it has to do with criticism. Um, a couple months back, I started to sense like a real like anger and I, and I wish it was like a holy anger, but it was more like just like an anger um, and I would just get mad like for no like apparent reason or like something would piss me off and then I would be like really mad and I'd be like, why am I getting so angry? Like I have anger issues, like like what is going on like right now? And and I didn't know where the where the root was, you know, I couldn't find it. I was like, I'd probably get it from like my dad or my mom or something. I don't know. And and so for a couple months, like, and things were at work were kind of crazy. And I remember just like I would snap at certain people. And um, like if you would see me sometimes at work, like, you know, the job is very fast-paced. And sometimes you have to make decisions really quick. And sometimes you can't always watch the way you say things to people, you know? And I've, I have hurt feelings and I've had to apologize just because of like how crazy things at work are. But I was, I was feeling like this like anger and I was like, where is this rooted? And then I realized um, recently, I was driving home from work and it was two weeks ago and I was criticizing myself um, and I'm a very critical person. Like I'm very structured, but on top of that, you layer on like that. I'm a very critical person. Like, like I, I criticize a lot. Like in like in my mind, like I'm just like, man, why didn't they do it like this? Why didn't they do it like that? You know? And then just like I don't know. Like they used to call me like grumpy old man. <laughs> um, <Amen>. But, <laughs> 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 but uh, um, that that day, I was I was driving home, and I was telling God, man. I've been so busy at work and I haven't had time to really focus on my message for the retreat. I'm like, you know, I have to preach. So, what is going on? I need time, you know, and I had been feeding on all of this stuff, but I didn't have time, you know, my like my you know, my moment, you know. You know, my note. That's Kevin devotional, devotional. You know, get your own devotional. Um, and so and so on my way On my way home, I started criticizing myself. I started saying, like, man, how are you going to preach? Like, you haven't even really been doing this. Like, I haven't had time. Like, I'm so busy at work. Like, what am I doing? Like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for my wife. I don't have time. I get home really late. And I was just, like, going into myself. And I stopped, and I said, what am I doing right now? And I started talking to God, and I said, you know what is true in me. And then that's where it hit me, and he said, "The the, the critical thing is the root issue of like the anger thing. And one of the crazy things that we were talking with Carlos yesterday is that, is that I've noticed that, that grace confronts you in a good way. Because when you're in the law, right, in the mountain that's like really scary and the blast of a trumpet and the sounds of words that like are really like scary, you can hide stuff very easily. You know, you keep stuff on the inside, but grace lets you open up. But guess what? When you open up, stuff ain't so pretty sometimes. And, um, you know, I was always like, I was always, you know, my mom would always say, you know, I know, you know, (laughs) mi hijo es un buen hijo, pero no tampoco es un santo. You know? And, like, she was right because you know on the outward appearance like I was getting like good grades I was going to school I was going to college but inside I was struggling with pornography I was smoking weed with my friends I was like trying to like constantly find like a girl to like hook up with and like do this and like do that and treat them like objects and I was constantly like looking for like some type of like fulfillment when I had like a loving home and I was just constantly like like you know my mom used to say No, I won't say that. (laughs) I won't say that. Um, My mom used to say that I would change girlfriends as much as I would change my underpants. I'll say it that way. And that wasn't because like that wasn't because I was like you know like like you know like a player or anything like that. You know I was the rebound guy like all the time. And so, like, I would be like, man, I got a honey. And, like, two weeks it was, like, and then, like, afterwards it was, like, what happened? Oh, right, move on to the next one. But, like, there was this constant hole, like, in the in, inside. Though on the outside I was going to church and I was praising, on the inside I had this, like, all these things buried. And it wasn't until I was, con- like, not confronted, but I started hearing the message of grace that, like, all these things, like, I, I started to notice that all these things started, like, bubbling up. Because I could no longer hide because in grace, it's about being completely open and understanding that we're in a safe and trustworthy environment. And so God had already taught me that the anger issue had to be dealt with. And I was like telling God, like, deal with that. Please deal with that. And so of course he did. And he got to the root of it. And the root issue is criticism. Me being critical. And the thing about criticism, and I know I'm not the only one here. I know that a lot of us perhaps deal with with that issue, particularly. And I want to share it because as we go into community, the one thing that that we for sure shouldn't do is be critical of one another because we're family and we're all children of God. And so God started speaking to me about this criticism thing. When you're critical of other people like how I was being, it's like this constant thing. And all you're doing is like criticizing, criticizing, criticizing. You create a shadow. You create this idea. You create um, a, a, a facade of like how things should be. And when that standard isn't met, it's like you rebel, you retaliate, you get angry at it. Right? And you're constantly comparing. And I've had to apologize to Mary. I actually apologized to her on that night. Because when we were dating, I would constantly... At first, it was at the very beginning, it was like a struggle because I was still dealing with certain issues. And I would constantly look at pictures of women that I... I'm just going to keep it real. That I shouldn't have been looking at. And I would constantly be like, you don't look like that. And I apologized and I said, I'm sorry that I did that. Though I never voiced it, it was in here. So how could I ever love sincerely if this was all screwed up? And now... I have the pleasure of loving my wife as she is to me. She's the most beautiful woman in life. To me, guys. <laughs> but what's crazy, what's crazy is that after all those years of like objectifying women, um, God is kind of like, kind of... Uh, use me in, in, in that. It's like he redeemed it. Cause at work, I've actually counseled a couple of ladies who are going through issues where they're being like objectified. And, uh, we went to Conexion recently. Um, I'll share a story. Uh, we went to Conexion and, uh, we started off by praying for, for people who were sick. Um, this one sister, she had like a really bad knee And uh, nobody was free to pray for her because so many people were getting prayed for. I went over there, and I started praying for her knee. She had gotten into an accident at work. Sorry, Shirley, I'm trying to slow down. She had gone into an accident at work. She worked at a factory. She had to walk back and forth and carry lots of weight. So she couldn't perform to her best, obviously. And God doesn't want that. So I told her, well, we're going to pray, sister. And so we started praying. And, and she starts crying. And I'm like, why? What's going on? And she's like, the pain is completely gone. And I'm like, almost like as shocked as she is, like, really? Like, let's <laughs> so like, cool. get up and like walk around and like, let's test this thing out. So she gets up and she starts walking around and she couldn't take like more than like five steps because she started like praising and like crying and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like God just healed that lady. <laughs> And I'm over here leading the prayer. And, uh, and and so then other people got healed. And then this other sister at the very end comes up to me and she's uh, she says, you know, uh, La Hermana, she, uh, she didn't speak English, so she didn't understand what you were saying, but she's got knee trouble too. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, let's pray then. So Pancho and I prayed for her. And I think her pain went from like an eight to like a two. And then she said like she felt completely better. And yeah, let's give God praise for that. He heals. And... And so then the next um, risk that I took that day was uh, um, God, when I was preparing for Conexion preaching, um, I had the honor of preaching there, God told me to ask for a Joanne. And I don't know anybody there um, except for Ricardo and his wife and a couple of their leaders. I don't even know some of their names. Um, And so it was kind of dark because all the light's hitting you and you couldn't really see out there. And I'm like, is there a Joanne here? And... All the little other little teens, because it was a teen uh conference, but there was these older teens that were sitting in the back, right, like too cool for school, right <laughs> and they were just sitting there like this, like <laughs> like my wife is over here like tearing it up, and these dudes are like <laughs> and i 'm like, okay, these guys are too cool for school it 's cool, I get it i 've been there, and so um they're sitting back there, and all the little kids start turning back and they're looking at one of the girls that's sitting back there. And, um, and then one of the kids says, Joanna. And I'm like, oh, Joanna's close enough. I'll take it. You know, <laughs> like I'm practicing. You know, I'm not going to get it right all the time. And so she's, I, I have her stand up and I start telling her, like, about relationships and about hope. And so at the end of the preaching, I, I make a call, an altar call, and all of them, all of the young teens came up to the front, except for the cool kids um, and Joanna. And they were sitting in the back, and so I asked Ricardo, uh, the, their leader, like, what's uh, what's their deal? And he said, Joanna specifically had just started coming to church. She was new, and you know, she's being like, you know, influenced by the other like cool kids. And so, so I, I grab my wife, I grab Meryl, and we go to the back. And I have Meryl, I I, I stand her up. Excuse me, um, that spaghetti was good, and um, and uh, I have her stand up, and. <laughs> I tell her I tell her um, I tell her did what I tell you makes sense and it was about relationships and she says yes she said she said, uh, I think she said like my boyfriend and I just broke up we're having trouble in our relationship right yeah, yeah and they were having like trouble or something and so you know she's in high school and I, at that moment I have two options I could either say ah you're just in high school relationships don't matter you'll have another boyfriend in like another week like don't worry about it but, like, in her shoes, like, it matters. And God takes the time to, like, listen and address it. So I'm having Meryl pray for her. And I just feel, like, this, like, presence. And I grab her hands and I tell her to look at me, to look me in the eye. And I tell her, look, you are beautiful. My wife is right here, so there's no funny business, I said. And I just started, like, like, like just speaking to her, you know, like how men should treat women. And, and she starts crying. And I'm like... The the goal here isn't for you to cry, and, she, and she's like kind of like laughed, and I said, but like, and I just kept pouring into her, and I told her, I go, look, you're not an object, and I told her, I go, when I dance on my wedding day, I dance with uh, one of my cousins who's um who's got a boyfriend too, and I'm like, you know, tell that vato to watch out, you know, and so like, <laughs> and so. And so we were dancing, and I'm telling my cousin, uh, her name is Andrea, and I'm like telling her, you're beautiful, and you're smart, and you're going places, and he better respect you and like not treat you like an object. And I was just pouring into her. She ended up like crying, like at my wedding, like dancing. She like went back, but I told her, I told Joanna that I told that that was my experience, and I just feel like when God redeems something in your life, then He has you walk other people through it. Amen. So let's keep reading. Um, So verse 22, Hebrews 12 verse 22, it says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to the merits of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Stop right there. So this criticism thing, when you're critical of other people, all you do is watch. All you do is um, like create like a standard almost, right? And when, when certain people don't meet standard or you yourself don't meet that standard, it's just like, oh, you know, well, that's what I expected. When you're critical of yourself, you create like a a facade, you create something that's fake. But really what God wants you to do is that he wants you to see yourself as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, and that you wouldn't criticize yourself, that you wouldn't be hard on yourself, but that you would see yourself as he sees you. Now these verses are amazing because I want you to pay attention to the language. It's like the contrast between like the law and like the kingdom of heaven, like where we're at now because of Jesus. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God to the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. You have come to the city of the living God. That's where we're at right now. And at the center of the city is Jesus' throne. And to myriads of angels. You guys perhaps reason that you guys are the only ones listening to me right now. But I know that angels are listening to me. I know that the cloud of witnesses are listening to me. I know that God the Father is listening to me. And I know that the enemy is listening to me because he has been defeated. And this, God says, I will put you on a mountain to shine. Why? So that no more darkness can exist. So the darkness has to come into contact or we come into contact with darkness and the darkness runs away. That's why I say even maybe bad things can be listening to me, but they're not more powerful than I am. They're defeated in Jesus' name. And so it says, you are enrolled in heaven. I want to camp there for a little bit. When I first read that, it reminded me of Luke sixteen sixteen, where it says, the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces their way into it. Why? You're enrolled into heaven. Because when the gospel of the kingdom is preached, you hear your name being called. One of the cool things that I heard in the Holy Ghost movie that we just saw uh, was what Bill Johnson said. He says, the gospel for you started when God called your name. And when you are are called, you are then enrolled in heaven. And this is my main point to the message. You know, the criticism thing, as we head into community, like I know God's working in me and it's becoming less and less and less. And any time I hear that voice, I say, no, that's not how we do things anymore. We love each other. We are graceful with each other. We, we, we support each other. We promote each other. And then when I hear the message of the kingdom, when I hear Cynthia preaching, or Danny up here, or Mario, or whoever it is that is preaching this, this, this amazing, beautiful gospel, I hear my name being called. I hear God saying, son. You should hear God saying your name or saying daughter of mine. And my main point is, That when you're enrolled in heaven, we now have a mission, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And I believe that in order to complete that task, we must understand that we are enrolled in heaven. Think about it like when you're enrolled in school. You're given classes. You're given curriculum. You're given stuff to read you're given hopefully you're given teachers that have experience in the field those are the best teachers the best teachers they hardly taught from the book but they could tell you you know an experience a story or two and when we are as we are enrolled in heaven my main point that i want you to take away from this message is that we are both students and stewards Of the kingdom we are students and stewards of the kingdom because you are enrolled in heaven so if it's not Mount Sinai and if it's Mount Zion because you know for so long we were taught of a God who was angry and mad at you and so far away But if it's not that, if it's not all of that, like that message of it's not this, it's not that, it's not this, that message can only take you so far. So then what we need to do is if it's not that, then the question is, then what is it? And I think that's where we're going as a church, as a community in our workshops, is that we're going to start to develop kingdom language, kingdom mindset to create a people of excellence, a people who are students, but... Once you learn something and something is given to you, you now have responsibility. You have the ability to respond. And now you must become a steward of what you just learned. If not, this kingdom thing isn't going to spread. It's not going to advance. It's going to stay put right where it landed. And that's with you. So we are students. And at the same time, we are stewards. And I love it because I will die a student and I will die a steward. Because God has so many facets, He's so amazing. There's so much to learn. Like I'm, I feel like there's. I heard this cool thing recently that, you know, um, is it astrologers that study the stars and, astrology? astronomers. A preacher said, "Imagine God." Being so in love with his kids that he takes their careers into consideration. And he doesn't want them to have nothing new to study. So he's out there creating stars and he's like, Oh wait, wait till they discover this one. I'm gonna make this one beautiful. I'm gonna make this for you know that scientist over there in, in Chile in the in the telescope, and once he sees it, he's gonna marvel at my work. Like that that we have a God that takes the time to 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 acknowledge our interests like that's like amazing like God is constantly um, being creative and let's go to verse um, uh, verse 23 to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven the, uh, let's start right there firstborn I want you guys to get this if you're taking notes firstborn why is that important? because only the firstborn could inherit the throne I don't think you guys heard me. Only the firstborn can inherit the throne or the kingdom. That means that to God, we are all firstborns. Verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Um. As I've asked God to work in this criticism, anger thing, one of the things that has happened is that my love for people has like shot through the roof. Like Mario and Cynthia have already taught us to have shepherds' hearts, right? And I find myself caring for people that I didn't normally care for. But now that I've also even asked God to deal with this anger and criticism thing, I feel like He has worked in me a lot. Um, also, even even more so um, that I find myself caring and like loving. Um, just people Um, when I found out about the Paris attacks I was very upset Um, I wasn't angry uh, but I was very upset I was very sad and I I didn't understand completely why I felt like that until afterwards God told me but I was very like moved in my heart very sad for um, the people that died very sad even for the terrorists that they're living a lie and I was, I was thinking, I was like, why is this happening? And I was moved in my heart. And the, the, the enemy came to tempt me and he said, you're powerless. You can do nothing about it. He's like, you're all the way over here. You can't do anything about it. And so I said, I I almost like started to feel that. I can feel the oppression of that when stuff like that happens, it's truly because the enemy is influencing people from their spheres of influence, right? But when we move in to a neighborhood or when we move into a a job, that sphere, if there's an evil sphere there, has to go away. Because we're spreading a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and that will not be moved. And so I said no to that temptation. And I said, I will not feel powerless in the face of terror because that's what they want. They want us to be afraid and to feel powerless and to not come out of our homes and to not congregate and be a community of people. But that's what the enemy wants. That's his agenda. And so I started praying for them and praying for them and praying for them. And this verse reminds me of that because we were at the board meeting and Mario said, see yourself sitting with Jesus. And I did. I saw myself sitting with Jesus. And it was the Saturday after that it had happened. And I look down and I asked him in the vision, I said, what do you think about what happened at Paris? I want to know what you think. And he looks down and we look down and I look down with him and I can see like Paris, right? Like a Google map. And I can see the blood of the innocent lives that were shed. And out of the blood was coming a big white word, redemption. And it was just coming out, redemption. When Cain killed Abel, he created the world system. The world system is criticism. It's fear. It's a perversion of sex. It is. It is hatred. And it is self agendas. It's political and it's religious. That's Cain's world. That's what he created. Abel's world was of servanthood and of kingdom. So when Abel was killed, his blood cried out to God. And God said, I will redeem Abel. And when these innocent people were killed in Paris, their blood now cries out to God. And God says, I will redeem these people too. See, if we get stuck in the I'm powerless, I can't. Um, I can't do anything about this because I'm all the way over here. I'm, I, I can't do anything. My prayer, not even prayer works. We can't move into that prayer does work and move into what God wants us to pray. And I, and I started looking at a lot of what the church leaders were saying. As a group, ISIS needs to be destroyed. Amen. As individuals, they need the love of Christ. Amen. And that's hard to say sometimes, you know. But it's true. As, as a group, it needs to be destroyed. As a people, they need the love of Jesus. We need Jesus to present them to, himself to them in dreams. Yes. But we can't pray those prayers if we're stuck in our defeat. Come on. Come on. And then, if, if we're not stuck in our defeat, we remember what the Word says and what God says. A kingdom divided cannot stand. So how do we take down ISIS? We pray that they cannot communicate with each other. Because if they can't communicate then they're divided, right? Israel, when they would go to war, they would blow a trumpet, they would worship, and the enemy would be confused, and there was no communication, there was no unity, and they would start killing themselves. Yeah. See, the kingdom brings uh, strategy. It brings, it brings a direction. Like, Jesus is also a general. It says he's going to come back with a sword, right? And it, it, and he, he sounds so cool when he comes back, right? And on his diet, it's going to say, King of kings, Lord of lords, you know? like Like with boldness, you know, and I think that when we get held up in a Mount Sinai mentality, that we're stuck, we don't expand anything, and what God wants us to do is to be stewards, students and stewards of the kingdom, and there's a lot to learn, there's a lot to learn, there's a lot of language to apply it, and I want you guys as Grace and Love Not to feel like it's just going to come from like Mario and Cynthia or the board. It can come from you guys. Um, Let's uh, jump down to verse 28. I'm about done. It says, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This kingdom can't be shaken we're standing on it so that means we're not shaken this kingdom is expanding and because of this kingdom we need to give thanks in all things in the storm and on the beautiful day we need to give thanks that thanks leads to reverence and it leads to awe. let me define it for you reverence imparts awe, and all inspires reverence. That's how Webster's Dictionary actually defines it. It says reverence imparts awe. And then it says, when I looked up awe, it says A-W-E, by the way, that's what I'm saying. Awe um, inspires reverence. Let me give you an example. When When I give thanks to God, I'm not focusing in on on, on, on the evil or on the darkness I'm focusing on the perfecter of my faith which is Jesus Christ when my eyes are on him I can constantly come before him and give thanks you know thank you in the face of terror and innocent lives being killed and racism and animal cruelty and, and, and women and, and human trafficking in the face of that God I give thanks so now give me my orders because I got a kingdom to spread And it's unshakable. And so when you're in that position, reverence comes to the Lord. And it's like, what is my mission? Like what do you want me to do? And you and and in the literal, you might pray for someone, they get healed, you just imparted awe. And they could be like, Oh, I just got healed. Like the lady that got healed from her knee at conexion. She starts crying and she starts praising God. When you have reverence, you impart, you give awe. You, you, you promote a wonderful God. And when they have awe, it inspires reverence. So they become reverent to God, which is what we all want. We all want people to have a relationship with the Lord. So, this kingdom, I said I wanted you to see it. So let's go to Revelations 4. Are you guys okay? Okay, so I'm going to read the whole chapter. Get some Bible in y'all today. After these things, I looked up. It's John speaking. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. That's what God is saying to you every single day. God is constantly inviting you to come up higher. Come on. Verse 2, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne and he, was, he who was sitting was like jasper stone and Sardius in appearance and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. The throne and the, and the uh, sorry, verse 5. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds of peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them, having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, stop right there, nothing has happened. It's, a, it's like Reinhard Bonnke, right? The spirit hovered over the waters. And nothing happened until God said something. But here, but now we're not at the beginning. We're at the end now. And look what happens in the end times which we are in. We are in the latter days. We're in the days of the great reign of God. And these living creatures say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And that's when stuff happens. (laughs) And when the living creatures give glory and honor Thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and because of your will, they existed and were created. You exist, right? Unless I'm crazy and I'm imagining a room full of people you exist because of his will and because of his will, you were created. So nobody here is an accident. And when we worship, when we open up our mouths, heaven is attracted to it. And heaven comes. But what happens if you're fearful? Or what happens if you're worried about maybe like a sin or something? And if I could have the worship team come up. If you're fearful, let's go to Isaiah 54. For a long time, fear was my issue. I got sick. I had H. pylori. All of that stuff kind of messed me up. And these very things that we're doing this week in the retreat, I couldn't enjoy them because I was constantly afraid of having to eat with other people. It sounds crazy, but like when, when you're under like oppression and you don't know really how to like combat that, and if you are under oppression, we can teach you how to get free from all that stuff. We're going to have a bunch of workshops next year. Maybe we can cover that. But when I was in that oppression, man, I was afraid to like eat like at a dinner table at a restaurant because I thought I was going to get sick. But then, little by little, God started working with me, and He taught me how to not be afraid. In fact, He taught me how to confront my fear. And I remember Waldo telling me, like, just go do it, like, just go eat with like some people, like, invite somebody out, and like, go to like a or something, like. And so, I did it, and I started winning back the territory that is mine. And this whole retreat. I haven't been afraid to eat with my brothers and my sisters because that's what the enemy wants. He wants to keep you from community and he cannot win, but we are called to be students and stewards. So if you're afraid today, um, let's do it this way because I'm going to read two passages. So if you're afraid, everybody close your eyes. Actually, just put your Bibles down. I'm sorry. Close your eyes. Put your stuff down. Nobody's going to pray for anybody today, or in this moment at least, we're going to just let the Holy Spirit minister to us. If you, close your eyes, if fear, and please, please be honest. If fear is something that plagues your life, if you're afraid to pray for somebody, if you're afraid to be open about something, if you're afraid to be open about your sexuality and if you're having issues with homosexuality, if you're having issues with pornography, if you're having issues with drugs, if you're having just issues with criticism and all of that stuff is welling up and causing fear in your life, you can keep your eyes closed and just stand up. If you feel like fear is holding you back, if you're afraid that things are too good to be true i have news for you they are so good that they are true because he said on earth as it is in heaven it sounds like fantasy and sounds fantastical but that's exactly what jesus wants he wants heaven on earth So if you're afraid, I'm going to read this to you and the Holy Spirit is going to minister to you and I believe oppression and fear is going to break today. Just listen to the words. In righteousness, you will be established. You that are here have been established in righteousness. You will be far from oppression. Why? Because you will not fear. Which is funny because it's the reason why you stood up in the first place. You will be far from oppression. This is God speaking to you. This is in quotes that Isaiah wrote down because God prophesied this for us, for all his kids. God's words have no time barriers. It says, You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear. And from terror, from terrorists, for it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. In other words, God, does not punish you he does not judge you he does not condemn you but he loves you and he has come to awaken you to a greater reality than this earth behold i myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals what does that mean that means that god is our general and he's got all of the armory and you've got armor And he says, and brings out, the the Smith brings out a weapon for its work and I have created the destroyer to ruin. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper and every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. Right now, if you're afraid of something, I want you to think about it and I want you to condemn that thing to hell right now. I condemn the fear of things being too good to be true. And thinking that stuff is going to get bad. That something bad is coming. I condemn that fear in Jesus' name. I condemn the fear of being prosperous. I condemn the fear of being great. I condemn the fear of being bold. I condemn the fear of sickness. I condemn the fear that what if God doesn't fulfill my prayer? I condemn you fear to hell. And redemptive work has its perfect work in us because of love. This is the heritage. This is your inheritance. And this is your vindication, says the Lord. If you have issues with a sin issue, um, or you have issues with accepting your righteousness, if you're standing, stay standing. Actually, everybody stand up for this one. This one, if you have issues with accepting that you are righteous, that you are saint, that God has literally forgotten the sins of your past, and you constantly remind yourself or the enemy reminds you, this is going to break it off right now. And this one's for all of us. This is what God says. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. It's Isaiah 43, verse 1 through 7. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Jocelyn, you are mine. Johnny, you are mine. Danny, you are mine. You are my prophet. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, Monique, you won't be touched, girl. Nor will the flame burn you. Ray and Emma, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Now listen very carefully to these next lines from our God. Children, since you are precious in my sight, since I honor you, here it comes. I love you. wondered where god says i love you in the bible and it's in isaiah 43 verse 4 since you are precious in my sight since you are honored i love you do not fear for i am with you i will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west and this is what god is saying i will say to the nations give them up don't hold them back God is saying, bring my sons from afar. Bring my daughters from the ends of the earth. They're not objects. You are precious. And then he says, everyone who is called by my name, who I have created, was created for glory. Because I formed you. And I don't make mistakes. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored, I love you. God loves you, he honors you, and he thinks you're precious. And if you see yourself any other way, then you're sadly mistaken. Because he loves you and you're precious and you're righteous. And on top of that, you were created for glory. So kick fear to the curve, kick condemnation to the curve, and say, I stand in heaven. I stand in heaven. Say it out loud. I stand in heaven. I stand on an unshakable kingdom. I live in an unshakable kingdom. We will not be shaken. I am a student and a steward. And I will advance this kingdom daily to the end of my life because a cloud of witness surrounds us and because there are angels waiting for a mission to be spoken from us, from the Father.